0: Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. It is terrific to be with you again today. You know, it's amazing. Um, you go away for a week and crazy stuff happens. Uh, it's been interesting to see how, the, how America's attention has shifted over the last week, particularly in the last four days, to baby jails. Uh, this idea that uh, the administration has had uh, from the top down, from President Miller down to Attorney General Sessions to Secretary Nielsen, uh, mouth by President Trump to uh, separate parents from their children uh, and uh, put them in baby jails. Uh, it is uh, it's fascinating, and I want I think I'm going to spend most of the show today talking about the law, the policy, and the politics. Of this process, because I, I think what's get what's gets lost in the rhetoric, and there's lots of rhetoric out there because you know baby jails has a certain ring to it, and uh, nobody wants to put babies in jail, but it also has uh, this idea that Americans, uh, many Americans, are now feeling how how can we be doing this in in our name, and yet if you read the comments, and you should never read the comments, uh, to newspaper articles or web articles about this, uh, you would say that lots of Americans think this is a good idea. Uh, So let's go back and let's talk about this. What what is it that is now coming to a head? Well, I I think you have to look at the political angle of this first, because ultimately the policy uh, boils down to the politics of this. And what the President and those who support the President, like Co-President Miller and Attorney General Sessions and Secretary Nielsen and Chief of Staff John Kelly, let's not leave him out of this, uh, want to accomplish uh, by doing this. Now, you will hear, of course, uh, from the President that here you know, they're forced to do this, Secretary Nielsen, that they're forced to do this. Um, that, of course, is not true. Uh, they're not forced to do that. Let's start with the law. So the Immigration and Nationality Act is, is, is our immigration law in the United States. Uh, and uh, within the Immigration and Nationality Act, it's divided into sections. Section 208 is the section on asylum. The section on asylum uh, starts out with this. Section 208A, 1, authority to apply for asylum. In general, uh, any alien, alien under immigration law is anybody who's not a U.S. citizen. So anybody who's not a U.S. citizen who is physically present in the United States or who arrives in the United States, open parentheses, whether or not at a designated port of arrival, and including an alien who is brought to the United States after having been interdicted in international or United States waters, close paren, comma, irrespective of such alien status, comma may apply for asylum in accordance with this section or in accordance with section 235b another another part of the act um now think about that immigration law says that anybody who physically gets here can apply for asylum one of the things i read on one of my facebook comments somebody said do you think we need to go home and apply for asylum at the u.s embassy yeah that's not the law um I mean, I'm not going to fault you for not knowing the law. You're not a lawyer, but not the law. You can only apply for asylum inside the United States, physically present, who arrives either inside, whether you come legally or not, uh, or whether you enter the country through a designated port of entry. So that's the law. The law is um, uh, pretty, pretty clear. Um, and so you have to ask, why is there a sudden surge uh in um uh in apl- applications for asylum at the border well first there's not a sudden surge this um has been going on for at least at this point 5 years going back to 2013 uh and it is it is a direct result now who is who are these people well, the vast majority um and I can't give you a percentage, but a vast majority are Central Americans. They are from Guatemala, they are from Honduras, they're from El Salvador, and most of them are fleeing either uh, severe forms of domestic violence, gang uh, persecution, uh, gang violence, uh, uh, and uh, criminal suffering. Uh, Some part of them, of course, are economic refugees, but the vast majority have, have some... Fear of their country. Now, you have this. What happened in in 2013? What changed in Central America? If we weren't seeing that many refugees prior to that from Central America, what changed? Uh, well, we saw a rise in gang violence. One of the things, and it, it, it's amazing how all this uh, is inter-, inter-, inter interrelated. So, President Obama. Getting, and we got to go back to Obama. I'm not going to, you know, you can blame Obama for a lot of things, but and this maybe this is one of them. Um, but let's take a look at this. Uh, President Obama, uh, in 2008, in his campaign, promised that he was going to bring everybody together and fix immigration. Became very clear very quickly uh, that he had no intention of dealing with immigration in his first term. Uh, his own secret- his own chief of staff, John Ma- Emanuel, said that. And so what Obama decided to do as his policy was to enforce the heck out of U.S. immigration laws. This is how President Obama became known as the deporter-in-chief. He deported over 3 million people over the course of his presidency, the vast majority, uh, more than 80%, during his first five years in office, so '09 through 2013. Now, during those years, his thing was, we're going we're to get rid of the gangbangers, and he loves saying the word gangbangers, I'm going to get rid of the gangbangers uh, as part of, of this process, and uh, so he spent a lot of time detaining people uh... who were in uh... county jails city jails uh... who were there for whatever violation it could have been a run arrest a criminal actual guy with a murder arrest or rape arrest or it could have also been somebody who was there because uh... they got detained for driving out a license uh... and uh... so he began putting those people into immigration custody uh... and into deportation proceedings now uh, he didn 't go out and lo- they didn 't really go out and look for them, uh, which is what trump 's doing now. It was really kind of a low hanging fruit approach and because the at the tail end of the Bush administration, many cities and counties had become more involved in what 's called two hundred eighty seven g which is a section of immigration law. That allows cities and counties uh, and states to become basically agents of the of ICE, and have have training and have agents present to so when people are detained by the counties or cities, they immediately get turned over to immigration custody and put into removal. So this saw a massive increase uh, in the number of people put into removal proceedings in front of judges. As a result, you saw a massive increase in the number of people being deported. Part of the plan was uh, they would go to people that were detained hey you know what you've gotten a relief you haven't been here for 10 years you have no kids uh do you you want to just be deported and uh, or people that had actual criminal convictions like gang members in the united states um hey you you're a criminal we're going to deport you and they were gone so the there was a, a vast increase in the number of people deported from the united states to central america some of these people were bad people uh, they didn't stop being bad people when they were deported, and the countries of Central America were ill-equipped, particularly El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala, they were ill-equipped to deal with um, uh, the issue of gang violence, uh, uh, of, uh, of killings, uh, uh, of criminal conduct uh, as part of this new influx of people, this return of people, many of whom had really not grown up in Salvador, they'd grown up in the United States. Uh, many of them were, were kids of residents in the United States, uh, or kids of people that had TPS. So they went back. These gangs then, uh, particularly in Honduras and especially in El Salvador, uh, then began to exercise control over poorer areas of the country uh, began to get involved in the drug trade, began involved in extortion and murder, kidnappings for money. Um, and uh, it is actually um, uh, been interesting uh, to see how those countries were unable, uh, to, uh, to just deal with that violence. So that violence then bred more violence, which then bred fear in the communities, which then, uh, resulted in, uh, uh people fleeing that violence. So that's what you're seeing today. You're people fleeing the violence that was created by, a large part of it, by people being deported from the United States to those countries. Um, this is what happens. You know that that's how uh, uh, that's what happens when you have uh, an immigration enforcement mechanism to countries that are ill-equipped to deal with it. We didn't properly fund it. And what's interesting is uh, then General John Kelly, who was over—I think it's called CENTCOM, which is uh, Central Command—that uh, had responsibility for the Americas. He actually testified in Congress. About the growing gang violence and the fear of instability, um, in Central America, uh, and, um, it, uh, it became prescient. In fact, it's one of the reasons, uh, why, uh, we believed that him becoming Secretary of Homeland Security would actually bring some sense and sensibility, uh, to, uh, the issue of, Maybe immigration reform, or to or to the presidency, um, and the testimony that he gave in Congress back in, uh, two, I think it was May of 2015, uh, May of 2015, uh, where he talks about what he called transnational organized crime, um, and uh, and how uh, the the rise and creation uh, of that in in Central America. Was going to ultimately have issues in the United States. And he was precedently right. Uh, He was precedently right about that. And as a result of that, uh, Kelly, um, when he was put in, when he came in as Secretary of Homeland Security, he actually wrote a memo and said this uh, that the separation of children from parents entering the country illegally should be done, quote, in order to deter more movement along this terribly dangerous network. So now you have parents in kind of this northern triangle area of Central America who now have a choice. Uh, They can have their teenage daughter raped. They could have their 10-year-old boy recruited into a gang. Uh, they can be extorted. Uh, they can be killed. They can be murdered in their home country. Uh, the countries uh, cannot or will not help them and will not deal with this issue because of issues of corruption and maybe even fear and complicity by the uh, armed services and the law enforcement authorities in that country. So they have a choice. I can stay here or I can leave and go to some place where I can find refuge and safety for me and my children. Knowing that to get there, uh, they have to pass through a very dangerous path, um, uh, walking or traveling uh, well over a thousand miles uh, through Mexico, uh, likely encountering more violence, uh, knowing that there, for women there's a strong possibility that they'll be raped, uh, that their children may be abused, uh, and to get to the United States to seek refuge here. Um, that's been going on since 2013. And these numbers are really interesting uh, a- as, you, uh, as you look at them um, over the course of... Um, uh, Uh, the last several years, and you see the numbers have gone up, but simultaneously uh, remain the same, um, or or about the same, uh, by each part of the year. So you see um, uh, the illegal entry numbers always spike in the spring and summer, um, and uh, that happens because that's when school is out. (laughs) And so school is over, people then leave the United States. Uh, Let's take a break here on the immigration. And we'll be back in a second uh, to talk
1: more about this issue. Soy Charles Cook, abogado y jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Llámenos hoy si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, si ha sido arrestado, si se casó con un ciudadano, o tiene una oferta de trabajo. Nosotros le podemos ayudar. También podemos explicar cómo, qué puedes hacer para recibir los beneficios de inmigración. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611. 404-816-8611. O visiteos por el internet al immigration Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net.
0: Hey, welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. We've been talking about why we're seeing the number of asylum uh, applications increase. Uh, There's a great article from um, uh, WOLA, which is the Advocacy Group for Human Rights in the Americas, WLA. And you can catch that at WOLA.org. I'll put it up on my Facebook page and Twitter. Uh, But there's seven things, seven facts to understand why we're seeing this rise in the number of asylum requests. One we talked about, uh, the rising level of violence, record levels of violence um, in the United States, whereas migrants from Mexico um, and the total number of migrants apprehended at the border is its lowest level since the 1970s. Uh, Unaccompanied children and families is on the rise um, after kind of a dramatic drop Uh, Why? It is what General John Kelly said in his testimony, um, quote, the mass migration of children from Central America to the U.S.-Mexico border primarily consists of parents that are trying to save their children. John Kelly said that. Um, and uh, so it's interesting as part of his Southcom uh, testimony in May of 2015. Um, So they're trying to save their children. So unparalleled level in violence. El Salvador and Honduras rank among the top five most violent countries in the world. And no, there aren't places in the country they can go to be safe. Um, There are people, of course, well, I was a missionary. I went on a mission down there. I did a mission trip. and Everything was fine. Yeah, there's a difference between being poor and living in the slums and going down doing a quick mission trip where you stay in a hotel. I mean, there's a difference there. Second, uh, people will say, well, these applications, they're just afraid. They're generalized claims of violence on the asylum application. That is not a basic claim. American courts have found... That under the very terms of U.S. asylum, applicants fleeing gang violence and other threats qualify for asylum in the United States. To get asylum, you have to show you have a well founded fear of persecution based upon one of five grounds race, religion, nationality, um, political opinion, or membership in a particular social group. And we're going to get to Jeff Sessions' recent uh, narrowing of a uh, particular social group as it pertains to Central Americans just a second and why that's politically motivated but the way Central American gangs operate, in many cases women and children are targeted by the groups precisely because they are women and children which courts, U.S. courts have repeatedly interpreted as being persecuted due due to being in a particular social group um Children and young adults are particularly vulnerable to death threats, and local gangs often try to forcibly recruit them, extort them, or, in the case of girls, pressure them into relationships with gang members. Women and underage youth are attractive recruits for gangs because they can draw less attention from authorities when carrying out tasks such as smuggling drugs, weapons, or collecting extortion payments. Next, families and children feel threatened and flee their communities, head for the U.S., because... They have no confidence in their corrupt police forces or their government institutions. The third reason we're seeing this, uh, and it's interesting, the favorable outcome for asylum applications for Central Americans largely depend on the immigration judge hearing the case and their access to legal assistance. Judges in New York grant more than 75% of these cases. In Atlanta... 90% of the cases are denied. Um, Now, the other thing that's interesting is that your chance of winning asylum increases by 90% if you have a lawyer representing you in your case. Um, Now, Jeff Sessions has said in last year that there's rampant abuse and fraud in the U.S. asylum system, except... The federal agencies have not collected any data on immigration, on asylum fraud, uh, ever. So they, they actually don't know what the, what they what the, quote fraud rate. And in fact, a re, former immigration has recently challenged Sessions' claim, noting that all the tools at the disposal of judges and immigration uh, government lawyers to determine potential fraud exists to stop that from happening. Um, the next is... Uh, something that's very interesting in the law. We talked about you can apply for asylum if you get here. Well, if you're detained when you get here and you apply for asylum, you will go through first what's called a credible fear Interview. In a credible fear interview, you have to show to an asylum officer. Asylum officers are government employees in the asylum office who are trained on asylum law and how to talk to witnesses, uh, how to interpret facts, um, and generally are some of the most open minded people in government because you don't want to deny asylum to somebody or the right to seek asylum. And send them to their death. You'd rather err on the side of the caution. So, credible fear interview to 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 prevail on a credible fear interview, uh, an individual has to show that there is um, a reasonable basis that, that what you say, if true, uh, and there and you are believed by the by the asylum officer, that could be a, that you could qualify for asylum. It's not saying you are going to get asylum. It's to a credible fear assessment. Now, uh, there is a very high rate of passage. Uh, for credible fear assessments uh, somewhere above 80 to 90 percent. Again, uh, the the idea is to give people a chance to apply for asylum and try to root out at the beginning those who don't have a valid basis. From there, uh, they are then assigned to go to an immigration judge. And there are clearly people who fail to show up for a wide variety of reasons including the fact that they never receive a notice of the hearing. Did you know a woman came into my office yesterday, uh, she had just been released from immigration custody uh, a few days before here in Atlanta, and was told, uh, she was given a, what's called a charging document, she said, you will get a hearing notice in two to three years. Now in the meantime, she is required to notify the court of any change of address so that she gets the court's notice. but. The court will not accept a change of address request from her because the case is not yet filed with the court and won't be for two to three years. And if she sends the change of address to immigration, they will say, we don't have anything on your file because your request for change of address actually resides with ICE. And there is no guarantee that ICE, once they get the change of address, will notify the court when that case is filed, the person no longer lives at the address on their notice to appear. Do you see the problem here? Why you see people no showing? The other way that ICE under the Obama administration very effectively guaranteed people uh for showing up um as part of, uh, as part of their hearing uh was they put ankle bracelets on them. And if you have an ankle bracelet, uh you're much more willing to show up um at, that is part of the application and part of the process. Um now Uh, these are all things that go into the asylum process. The next thing uh, is um, there appears to be no evidence that MS-13 gangs are taking advantage of the asylum process. Uh, MS-13 membership makes up less than 1% of all criminal gangs in the United States. They're bad guys. Uh, And is it possible that one of their, or two or ten or fifty of their kids got through, uh, that they sent up? Yeah, it's possible. Um, but again, if you were assigning counsel to these kids, if you were doing proper follow up with the, um, with the people that are uh, signing for these kids, uh, you would be in a better position to say whether there's really bad actors going on here. Again, our government is basing actions that affect thousands on rumors that affect dozens from dozens. Um, And uh, so so you've got these these factoids uh, that are uh, kind of driving the public debate on this issue without really uh, understanding uh, what exactly is going on. Now, so we've got General Kelly from the beginning saying, oh, we're going to use the family separation to, to send the message of deterrence. Uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions in his statement said that family separation is designed to be a deterrence. Stephen Miller on television this last week said uh, this was a no-brainer. This is part of our strategy on deterrence. Uh and the one piece of evidence that's missing here is that none of this is actually working as deterrence. None of this is actually stopping people from coming into the country. Let's take a step back again to the to the Bush to the Obama administration. So Obama begins in 2013 as he sees this rapid increase and the surge of Central Americans coming to the U.S. border in 2014. Not in response to DACA, because none of people could qualify for DACA, but as part of the, the fleeing of the violence in those countries, the Obama administration contemplates separating parents from their kids and keeping them detained separately and throws that idea out. And instead, they have family detention centers. Now, when I say family, what I mean is this. Women and children have detention centers. Fathers are almost always routinely separated from their kids and sent to different centers. And then the kids, typically within 72 hours under the Obama administration, are farmed out to relatives uh, or, or friends that have passed some sort of quick background check from the Department of Health and Human Services and Customs and Border Protection. So they have... Uh, the Obama administration took a lot of heat. And it's funny because you, well, you guys didn't complain when Obama did it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, clearly you weren't following any, any real immigration lawyer in 2013, 14, 15, 16, and 17 when the Obama administration was doing it. And in fact... Uh, the immigration bar, uh, Ayla, was very active in setting up free legal assistance and uh, working with nonprofits in places like Dilley to ensure that people did have lawyers in these baby and family detention centers uh, while they were then applying for asylum and then representing people in court to get those asylum cases granted. It's amazing. Uh, with legal counsel, how many of those cases were actually approved for asylum in the United States. So the Obama administration was very actively involved in this. Um, and uh, I, to now say that Obama wasn't doing it is a joke. He was doing it, but what he wasn't doing was tearing mothers and children apart um Sessions' response is, we cannot and will not encourage people to bring children by giving them blanket immunity from our laws. Nobody's requesting immunity, they're requesting asylum. We'll be back in su- just a minute to talk more about the politics and the policy
1: on the immigration Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley. Y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el Internet. Www.immigration.net. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. you're listening to America's
0: Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the uh, uh, Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, It is, uh, again, good to be with you, but terrible we're talking about this issue. Uh, So we talked about the Obama administration and and what they're doing here. Um, But the Trump administration took this to the next level and it, it, the, it, that's the outcry nobody you didn't you saw some Facebook uh, at least among my friends and of course I, of course I hang around with immigration lawyers and those, that immigration is top of mind um, but more important is this idea is um, uh, that the Trump administration is now using this for politics and here's what I mean? Let's take a look at why is this happening now. Trump, more than anything, his biggest promise was the wall. The Democrats and a group of Republicans in the House came up with a plan. We will give you the wall, and in return, you will give DACA kids, whom you promised to protect, Mr. President, you would give them... um, uh, a path to residency in the United States. So there was a bill that said, here's your twenty five billion for the wall, here's your better resident," And he rejected that. He rejected that because he also now remember when he said to us, give me a reasonable bill and also give me a bill and I'll sign it. You guys come up with a deal. So now he wants to eliminate legal immigration to America. Be clear. That's what his bill does, that Goodlatte wrote, and what what's, what, uh, what uh, Purdue and Cotton wrote. It eliminates legal immigration to America. It does not give DACA kids any path to residence. It gives them a temporary permit for three years, uh, which is not enough time to deal with anything under our current immigration laws. Um, and so there is no deal out there. So what, he, what he's trying to do, and I think it's pretty obvious, uh, he's trying to force trying to force the uh, Congress to act and give him what he wants, which is the elimination of legal immigration over the next generation to America in return for not putting babies in jail. That's what's going on here. So he is playing a classic Trump negotiating tactic. Go nuclear Go bankrupt, go crazy, say insane things, do insane things, so that you will go, okay, I give up. It's so insane, I will give you what you want so you don't be insane anymore. And, and so he's using this, and, it's, and that's the Democrats' fault that they won't negotiate with a madman. That, that, that's the funny part about that. So there actually is very detailed politics here uh, that actually are going to get worse. Uh, Stephen Miller said yesterday to Politico uh, that the following ideas, uh, at least one White House official, I know Miller said this, but a White House official said this. Among the fresh ideas being circulated are tightening rules on student visas and exchange programs, hurts American universities, limit visas for temporary agricultural workers, hurts farmers, make it harder for legal immigrants who applied for welfare programs to return residency, legal immigrants can't get. Welfare uh, and collecting biometric data from visitors from certain countries. That's that's all again designed to push Congress, particularly Democrats in Congress, to pass a bill as part of the process. And uh, it seems to me uh, that it's working, uh, which is why you have uh, so many uh, of the. Of, uh, of, of Republicans continuing to support the detention of babies. Now, I want to I want to play for you briefly the the audio uh, that appeared yesterday um, on CNN of uh, during the uh, apparently arrest detention caring of children by a border patrol agent. Border patrol. Wow, that's only a small part of the audio um, uh, that was produced. In one of the the clips, a six-year-old is saying, I want to call my aunt, I have her number memorized. And she begins repeating the number for her aunt. Um, This is, um, it really is just stunning uh, about what's happening. Um, Now, you have to also see the overall picture. So one is, we're going to detain people, and separate families because it'll create a crisis that will force people to agree to our crazy solutions. But what else are they doing? Well, these people came illegally, he says. They came illegally and they apply for asylum. Well, you, you heard the law I read. doesn't matter how they come. Under our laws, they can apply for asylum. It is not illegal to seek asylum regardless how you get in the country. But what else is happening is this. Uh, the Border Patrol is standing on the bridges, literally standing on the bridges, coming into the United States, barring people from coming in, saying, hey, we don't have any room for you today. Go back Go back to Mexico. Uh, and so people that want to come legally, that want to literally show up at a port of entry and say, hey, I'm here. Uh, I want to apply for asylum, are being barred from doing so by the Trump administration. See, so, and there's pictures of, of Border Patrol agents with their M16s standing outside the port of entry. So, literally on the bridge at the, at the demarcation line of the border, turning, asking, what are you doing here? I want to apply for asylum. I can't, you can't come today. So, if you are that desperate, that you're willing to walk up to an armed agent with an M-16 and say you want asylum and you're turned away, what do you think your next step is going to be? You're going to go down the bridge, go down the river a couple miles, and come across illegally, walk back to the port of entry, say, I'm here now, I want to apply for asylum. Those people are now being charged with a crime, the federal misdemeanor of illegal entry. Yes, federal misdemeanor of illegal entry. And what they're doing then, they're saying, well, you can't, uh, you can't keep babies with parents in jail, um, and uh, therefore we're going to separate the kids out, even going so far as to taking nursing babies from their mothers in mid-nurse. Um, and, uh, and this idea that you have to separate them is also untrue. So let's take, uh, take a look at the United States Code. Section 1325A. So, United States Code 8 U.S.C. 1325A. Any alien who attempts or enters the United States or attempts to enter the United States at any time or place other than designated by immigration officers or eludes inspection or inspection by immigration officers or attempts to enter or obtains entry by willfully false or misleading information, or willful conceded of shall for the first commission of any such offense be fined under, under Title 18 uh, or imprisoned not more than six months, or both. Um, and that civil penalty uh, is $50. $50. Um, and uh, that's it. It's 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 a, what you call federal miss. It's a fifty dollar fine. Uh, you pay more in a traffic ticket, and they're saying they're doing this. The reason they're de- prosecuting them is because if they have a conviction for illegal entry and they're deported and they come back illegally, then they can charge them under a reentry after deportation crime, uh, which carry which is a federal felony, which carries with it up to. Two years in prison for the second reentry, um, and uh, so that's why Sessions is doing this in such large numbers. But get this: uh, you've seen maybe some of the pictures of people in court. There are now people going to court in the clothes they entered the country with, because they're they're so quickly getting detained, brought to court, and deported uh, that. They're never even really technically in any custody other than the Border Patrol's custody. They're not in the Marshal's custody. They're not in federal imprisonment custody. And their kids are actually being left behind in the United States while they're deported. That is actually happening today. Uh, You have to ask, why? Why are they doing this? What uh, What is causing this? Insanity within the the immigration field, and it is about politics. It's about the Trump administration, um, co president Miller, attorney general Sessions, a lot of it comes from Bannon as well. Um, It's part of the nativist plan. For immigration, credit. they see immigration nativism as a means to reelection? Uh, yesterday, when I was on uh, political rewind, it became—it it was something that was really said by Bill Maher that is completely correct. This may, in fact, be the bridge too far for most Americans. Uh, Evidence by the fact that nobody complained, very little complaints in the public, about Obama detaining moms with babies. Okay, it's bad, but they're together. Uh, now, when you separate them, that separation may, in fact, be the bridge too far about what's going on. Um, um, it is um, uh, curious to me um, that uh, as as you do this, as they, 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 they force their hand on this, um, they literally are breaking U.S. law by not accepting immediately the asylum application of these people. Now, we have lots of recorded instances as well of the Border Patrol uh, creating their forms on when they arrest somebody, saying they didn't, claim, they didn't claim they were afraid. And we've now caught them lying on multiple instances on these forms. So you have an entire system now set up as part of the process. Um, and it's designed to force mostly the Democrats in Congress to come to the table to say, okay, no aguanto mas I can't take it anymore I will agree to eliminate legal immigration to America in exchange for you not putting babies in jail without their mothers Uh, the thing is, that's probably not going to happen the Democrats, I don't think, are going to cave on this Uh, I think they will remain uh, steadfast in insisting that the President stop this that there will be enough people uh, clamoring from both sides of the aisle to stop it that they think they can the President. because here's the thing there's supposed to be a vote in Congress in the House on the two immigration bills this week but they don't have enough Republican votes to pass either one of them uh, but the one bill that can pass Ryan won't let come to the floor because, it, because the Democrats will vote for it with a bunch of Republicans so we will see what really happens here this is all designed politically to try to ensure the rise of nativism as a basis for our laws. This is literally taking America back to 1922, trying to reenact the eugenics, uh, white-only racist laws that were prominent in our country for more than 45 years. Uh, and if, if we allow that to happen, uh, we will pay the same price that they paid after they did it in 1922, which was a massive recession. Uh because immigration negatively impacts limiting immigration in ways that don't respond to economics negatively impacts the economics. Um And I'll give you an example of what's happening with these babies. Uh, This is from an article in Business Insider. A teenager at a U.S. Border Patrol facility had to teach other children how to change the diaper of a young girl who'd been separated from her family. A 16 year old girl in a South Texas facility took care of a four year old girl she didn't know for at least three days when they were kept in the same chain link cage together. That's some of the other hilarious, I mean, tragically hilarious stuff. You have a cage here. That's not a cage. That's an enclosure made out of chain link fencing. Really? That's not a cage? And it, and the border patrol themselves released pictures of the cages, but only the ones holding boys. They didn't show any facilities with girls. And you have to wonder what's going on here. So this 16-year-old had to teach other kids in a cell <coughs> how to change the diaper. Um, and it is uh, this is traumatizing. This is horrible. This is horrific. And it's being done in our name. Let's take our final break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verifying your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national... Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net.
1: sit ...problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar. Llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404 816 a las 404 al www.immigration.net. You're listening to America. Web Radio on the Americas Broadcast Network.com. Thank
0: you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the Americas Broadcast Network.com. On baby Thank jails, you for uh, David, that's our topic today uh, policy and politics on baby jails. Um, this is uh, what, what's hilarious, uh, and there have been very some very funny, ironic tweets about it. Bill Crystal, of course, doesn't like Trump, said this. Uh, he quotes Trump Trump, quote, the Democrats made us do it. Stephen Miller, quote, it's our policy to do it. Secretary Nielsen, we're not doing it. Um, and... Uh Secretary Nielsen, I, I'm not even gonna get into the nightmare that was her press conference yesterday because Sarah Huckabee Sanders was too afraid to come out and face this. They delayed the press conference for four hours and put Secretary Nielsen out there, who then proceeded to lie for four hours. Um, uh, uh, morning Mika on, uh, on Morning Joe this morning uh, did a tremendous uh, video and audio breakdown of all the lies that Secretary Nielsen told. You know, the rumor is, well, she's not happy about doing this, um, but instead of having the courage to say, you know what, Mr. President, this is morally, ethically, and legally wrong. If you don't stop it, I'm going to quit and quit. That's what somebody with courage would do. Uh, but again, if you don't have courage, then you are, in fact, uh, part of the problem. You 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 are simply enabling uh, what's going on. Now, here here is the next part of all this. Not only are they separating families. Not any separately families, but they have no plan, no plan to get parents and kids back together. So, um, every undocumented immigrant who enters government custody is assigned what's called an alien number. So everybody, even the kids. But the girl's family, who was separated from her parents, didn't know the girl's alien number. All they had was her name and birth date. So they called the 800 number set up by the Office of Refugee Resettlement, and the hotline said, it's difficult to access for parents who are in detention facilities because you can't call the 800 number from a detention facility, uh, and you can't call the 800 number from abroad. The person that this person I spoke with, Just made a note in the file of the girl they thought it might be, but we didn't get confirmation we were talking about the same girl. They were looking at the record of someone whose first name was spelled differently and whose date of birth was a month off. Um, So they began tracking the the family. Um, The family in Guatemala, mom had been born to Guatemala, kid was in the United States, had the phone number of the children's shelter where the girl might be. The number had come from a neighbor who'd also been separated from their child. When they called that number, she was told the girl wasn't there, but that someone with a similar name and date of birth might be at a facility nearby. I said, look, I I think you have the girl there. And the case manager says, oh, yes. Yes, we have the kid here. The kid whose parents she couldn't find. She was trying to help, us. she had nothing to go on. There's literally no program in place to get the parents and the kids back together. It doesn't exist. Um... This is immoral. It's evil. It's unnecessary. It's not legal. It's not required by the law. Uh, No law requires the separation of family and kids. Well, how are you going to put a kid in jail if we're going to prosecute the parents? The parents are being prosecuted for a misdemeanor. They don't need to be detained Pending their appearance in federal court for a misdemeanor, just like you, who, when given a ticket for a misdemeanor, like speeding, like illegal lane change, uh, like a fight at a bar, uh, like any other misdemeanor in any state or federal agency, you don't get separated from your family, and you rarely, if ever, get sentenced to jail. So there's no legitimate reason to separate parents' kids unless the reason is deterrence, which we do know is the reason, per the statements of Secretary Kelly, uh, uh, um, uh, co-President Miller, and Attorney General Sessions. Denied by Secretary Nielsen, by the way. Um, but Admitted by everybody else. So they are intentionally not peeping people together and intentionally <laughs> uh, separating them uh, with the idea we're going to prosecute everybody. Go ahead, prosecute everybody. But you don't Need to separate them. Uh, the Obama administration um, kept people very actively on what they called alternatives to detention, and these are very aggressive, intensive monitoring programs that typically involve ankle bracelets. Uh, today, for some people that eventually are have a valid claim for asylum and are assigned to go to court, if they are released, they're putting ankle bracelets on four-year-old children. Uh, now, we haven't even talked about the mental health damage of this. Yesterday, a very dear friend of mine, Mo Goldman, shout out to Mo Goldman, one of the, one of the great lawyers in America. Uh, Mo's grandmother is a Holocaust survivor. Um, and uh, he was going through her things recently, and he found a letter from a doctor in 2002, um, uh, which which talked about the depression and anxiety she suffered and um, you know, the medicine she was on. And the very end, he said the doctor wrote this, and he shared the letter um, about her, uh, where she said she described herself as, quote, too nervous and too sick. Quote, she has a very clear idea of the cause of her problems. Quote, I have nobody. The rest of my family went to their death in one day. Close quote. When you separate families from children, even for temporary periods of time, there is a massive psychological crush that comes on these kids uh, and will have long term, super negative impacts, even if they're ultimately reunited, Think about have you ever misplaced your kid in an amusement park? Uh, Have you ever lost your kid in a museum? Have you ever just gone on vacation and missed your kids? Think about not knowing where your kids are and what's really going on. Uh, And what you see then, this complicity in the impact of these kids and how they will be negatively impacted over the course of their life, whether they end up here or end up in other countries, this is the stunning... The stunning part uh, of this. And I would encourage you to call your congresswoman. Uh, My congresswoman, in fact, did kind of speak out about it. We shouldn't separate families. That's what she said. Okay, well, Karen, why don't you raise your voice a little bit louder about this. that It's immoral. It's illegal, it's unnecessary, and it's bad for America. Do that, Representative Karen Handel, and people will have more respect for you. And maybe, just maybe, you might win re-election. But until you speak out against an administration that is literally destroying families, you are complicit in it. As long as you don't support DACA kids, you are complicit in it. As long as you don't support families, you are complicit in it. Uh, call Congress, 202 Um, 221-3121 that's the switchboard for Congress uh, 202-221-3121 put in your representative or senator's name and say, just call her office and say this Congresswoman, Senator I'm simply calling you to urge you ask you in my name to demand that the president stop separating mothers and babies and fathers and babies and to have a legitimate asylum process for people seeking to have safety in the United States. People only win of asylum about 40% of the time in the United States. It's it, it, For me, I tell clients, it's the last thing you should be doing. It's never the first thing you should do. But there are people that legitimately need the protection of the United States, and we should be providing that for them, which is why I get so angry when, in fact, there are fraudulent cases filed to get work permits. Those people, they should be gone. They should be punished. And the people that perpetuate it should be gone and should be punished. But the process itself does work. And uh, I simply ask you to be more cognizant, more aware. Look at the big picture. Look at the policy And the politics of this. There's a reason this is going on. This is all part of a greater plan to promote nativism and an anti-legal immigration agenda that's been at the forefront of the Trump campaign and administration since the very beginning. Uh, I'd encourage you to go back uh, and read in the Atlantic the the biography of uh, Stephen Miller, the young co-president who is the president's brain on immigration, who's pushing him. When the president wants to go moderate, he pushes him the other way. Um, and you have to wonder if, if if President hates Jeff Sessions so much, why is Sessions still there? And that's because of this. Sessions is the lead on the anti-immigration sentiment coming out of the White House. Now, one last thing, Dave. Before we go, there's one piece of news that I found heartening yesterday, and that is a federal court judge ordered Secretary of State Chris Kobach in Kansas to take continuing legal education classes because he is such a bad lawyer. Uh, and then fined him a large chunk of money for his bad lawyering, and then found that the law that he championed and got passed in Kansas to require identification at the polls was unconstitutional as written and applied. Struck it all down, punished him individually, and I hope the people of Kansas aren't dumb enough to elect that guy governor of the state. It's been good to be with you this week. We'll be back next week for our last show in June. Going to take a couple weeks off in July as we head down to Peru again uh, to uh, to give some more charlas on immigration. Uh, hopefully, this is resolved by next Tuesday. The baby jails, but if not, try to get a special guest next week who's who's feet on the ground, uh, ear to the, ear to the door, knows about this from personal experience to talk about how baby jails are making us all. Worse off. Till next week, this is your host, Chuck Cook, on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio.
1: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com.
0: Thank you for listening